and three, two, one, intro now. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Sean here, and I'm going to forego the normal Stunning Sean entrance to the show because we are recording on the 20th anniversary of 9-11, and it is a privilege and an honor to be here with David the Smart Mark. David, do you remember 9-11? Unfortunately, Sean, yes, I've got very vivid memories of 9-11. I was literally walking into my state's government and politics class at the University of Tennessee, and our professor came in and told us that the first tower got hit. I later on in a day saw the first tower fall down in the library with a bunch of students. And the last memory from that day I can remember is being inside of a McDonald's and my friend who's an Iraqi talking to me, she came over and apologized. And I looked at her and I said, you don't have to apologize. You don't have to be sorry. We'll get the people who did this. And my next concern was, I should walk her back to her dorm with her friends. And I'm like, now I become a big brother. I'm like, hey guys, make sure you go with a group. Wow. You see, you don't, don't, you don't see the impact of things like that um, unless you're directly involved with them. Ironically, I was in the first week of my arms explosive search dog course um, at the Defence Animal Centre in Melton Mowbray in England. And we were cleaning kennels. It was the afternoon. We were cleaning our dogs out um, and, and making them spick and span for the next day. And basically, we were told, go home. This has happened. Um, and I had a 45-minute drive home, which obviously when I got in, I, I had the radio on. I could hear the news reports of the radio, and I was like, I can't believe this. I can't believe this. Got home, put Sky News on, and I was just transfixed. For the next couple of hours, I just could not move, horrified from what was unfolding in front of my eyes. Both towers had been hit by the time I got home, but obviously the footage was at that time constantly being replayed and more footage was being unearthed but you know being made available to the media um, at the time and it was obviously just horrific absolutely horrific i couldn't believe it and obviously then you return to work the following day you know with this still in the background still ongoing as it did for weeks and weeks and weeks afterwards and eventually they got us um passed out and you know we were utilized and i i'm i'm happy to say that in the war on terror i was lucky enough to be reasonably good at what i did and been gone out to every major hot spot going in the help of saving lives pure and simple saving lives um it's not all about being in the military is not all about fighting although i have done my fair share of that as well um but that was a lot of self-preservation as well sean but yeah 9-11 i am very very i've been lucky enough to visit the site of the world trade center i ironically changed my facebook profile picture today of me walking around paying respects it was early on a sunday morning and met myself and bev went over there 
and it is a hugely, hugely humbling area. Hugely, whoever designed it deserves kudos for it because it is hugely prophetic. It is hugely, um, it's just so quiet and just so respectful of every one of the individuals who lost their lives that day, especially, and I shouldn't single things out, but especially the firefighters, the police, the rescuers. There are obviously since some horrific stories and some good stories come out of it since then. And it will always be an anniversary that I will remember almost as much as um, our remembrance days. David, at this time, I'm going to express my condolences to the family members who lost somebody on this day. And I hope that Agreed. we do them justice in the performance of this show as we are them on this 20th anniversary of 9-11. Yeah, I couldn't agree with that more. There's no easy way to transition into this show, but we're going to do our best. Coming up here on the show today, we have an interview with Bianca Corelli, this second-generation wrestler just recently moved down here to the United States from Canada. She was a part of the first ever Women's Invitational Cup for NWA and presently had her debut match in Coastal Championship Wrestling. This interview will be our main event of Radio Free Professional Wrestling this week, so stay tuned. We also need to wish our favorite singer, favorite voiceover person, Christina, a happy birthday because her birthday was yesterday. So, Christina, we're wishing you a happy birthday. Now, on to the Stunning Six question. It's time for the Stunning Six question. All the whys and what have they done now? Hopefully, David and Sean can make sense of it. So, David, my first question this week comes from SmackDown last night. And apparently, somebody wasn't on SmackDown. And the whole internet community is up at arms at it. I'm going to be up at arms at it. Because I'm going to ask you, can you tell me why the WWE didn't allow Selena Vega a chance to be on that show last night in Madison Square Garden in New York City on the eve of 9-11, 20 years anniversary? Um, wow. Um... You've gone for it, mate. Early doors. No, I can't. I watched, I have to say, I watched some of, um, so I didn't see all the Smackdown last night, but I obviously picked up on this. I think in general, the WWE have lost their marbles. In, 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 In total. Not just this incident is absolute one of many. You can look back at, over the last, say, six months, and look at many incidents where they're, they're just not thinking straight. Like the Mickey James stuff of having a kit sent in a, um, in a rubbish bag, of the releases and the way they've been done. There is so much here, and it's thoughtlessness. And if we as wrestling fans, as a community, can pick up on this, why the hell cannot a booking committee, why the hell cannot a management committee, even Vince... You know what? What is what is Bruce and Kevin done? The rat. What what are they throwing at him? I I should be surprised, Sean. We should be surprised. But deep down, are you, David? Last night I literally thought, okay, I fell asleep. Let me go back and rewatch this. She had to be on our side. Uh-huh. Then then I was like, let me go check her Twitter account to see what she had to say. And she posted a picture of her and her gear. Because they actually had a match planned, but they cut it. And the captain said, never mind. So, I'm to the point where if I was working in the WWE, and after that happened last night, I would be turning in my resignation after I give somebody a piece of my mind. Mate, uh, 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 yeah. 
There's a bigger picture here for me, for me, Sean. I know you've specified this into one question, which is a very fair question. And like your stunning six questions, they're all really thought through. But I think here there's a bigger picture, and this is about the WWE in general. I don't know whether you're going to come on to it because we do these blind. Um, look at the ratings this week. Look at the demographic. Look where the viewers are going. It's only a matter of time. And the thing is, it's not like the old Monday Night Wars where he's still got superstars. He's got half a dozen superstars. He's got some good up-and-coming talent. It's not like that. All the superstars, bar two, and a couple that he can bring in occasionally, are on AEW. He's going to... This, I, I genuinely think, unless he does something in the next three or four months, we're coming to the end of the WWE in the next two years. Genuinely believe that. I'm going to just take a moment to cool down and we're going to slide over to setting question number two. Because we're going to talk about the good <laughs> in professional wrestling now. David, so we're getting Omega versus Brian Dallison at Arthur Ashe Stadium. Is it too soon? Yeah, 100%. You know, I've just praised the opposition, but 100% too soon. It's interesting to see what they've done with Punk and what they've done with Danielson. Obviously, we found out this week on Dynamite where Punk's next direction's going, and I I was fine with that. I thought the, the interaction was a little bit clunky, and I thought there was mistakes in there, but it wasn't offensive. Um, and with the fact that Taz and Punk are good on the mic, they sort of pulled it round. I think it's way too soon. If you remember on our last episode we discussed a potential four-man uh, four tag match on each side. You know, it, it's it's too, way too soon. It's almost hot-shotting, and they don't need to be doing that, unless it's going to be a schmoz, unless they're going to bring Paige back, and, you know, he costs, you know, I, I really don't know. I mean, it'll put bums, it'll sell tickets, um, but I think it is too soon, I agree. David? We're going to enjoy this match. No question about it. These guys are going to knock it out of the park. Yeah. This is going to be one of the best AEW shows of the year. But I just feel like they could have waited for this dream matchup for a little bit. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah, I mean, I mean, to be fair, with what you just said, Sean, it's going to take a hell of a show to beat all out. Exactly. David, I'm going to move over to study question number three for the week. What do you think about WWE closing their... WWE UK Limited Company. We talked about this earlier this week off the podcast. Um, I'm not surprised at all. Uh, not surprised at all. Um, to be fair, there's a few characters in British wrestling that it serves them right. There's one particularly that I don't like, that he got what he wanted, and now it's backfired a little bit on him. Although he, I noticed he this week has totally denied it that it's being closed and said it's just a rumour, which is Mr. Smallman. Um, but he... He, if his lips were moving, I wouldn't believe what was coming out of it because he is full of it. Um, I think it's a shame for all the uh, talent that's gone from ICW Progress and Preston City Wrestling, also Rev Pro. Um, it will leave a lot of people with towel between their legs having to go back to their parent indie companies. Um, I don't know how many people they're going to bring over to NXT. Obviously, we saw, fortunately, we saw Kaylee Ray have as best of an outing this week as she could against a very difficult opponent in that the opponent can't wrestle and she had to carry her through it. And if ever I had evidence of what I've been spouting about that individual, well, both individuals, to be fair, 
um, since we've been doing this podcast, there was the evidence in around a nine minute, nine to ten minute slot on Tuesday night. Um, I think it's a shame because there's a lot of talent there, but I'm not surprised at all. David, I know they've been talking about, oh, hey, NXT UK is going to be safe no matter if they do get rid of the WWE UK limited liability company. But, you know, I get my fingers crossed because that's the best hour of WWE wrestling on TV now. Yeah, yeah, very fair. Very fair, because let's face it, it hasn't got a beat much, has it? Well, true, but I just want to throw my support behind NXT UK. Yeah, no, 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 no. I agree with your sentiment, Sean. I know where you're coming from. I'm just stating that, like, to be fair, me and you could go and have a role in the park and it'd be better wrestling than than the WWE's producing at the moment. Okay, so study question number four for the week. Am I crazy or are we getting too much CM Punk too fast? Yeah, good point. Yeah, I, I mean, let's face it. If he's making himself available once a week, I've got no, no, no problem with him appearing. To be fair, um, uh, yeah, it wouldn't hurt for him to have a week off. Um, yeah, the old "How can I miss you if you don't go away?" But I suppose seven years. He needs ring time. I'd sooner see him in in a ring, just trying to letting him beat younger talent, but letting them get the rub off being in the ring with him. Obviously, we know where he's going next. I have to say the prospect of Ricky Starks versus CM Punk really does appeal to me. Really does appeal to me. But, um, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Um, yeah, you, yeah, it's borderline. I would say it's in a grey area now to, to bring it to the conclusion. They've got to be very careful. You're damn right in the fact that if they're not careful, it definitely will be too much. Well, I got to think about it when I came up with this question. I was looking back at when they debuted State. Remember when I said... I thought we were getting too much sting too fast, and you know how big of a sting fan I am. For me to say there's too much sting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a fair point. But we'll see. We'll see how they do it. They've not made any major faux pas with Punk so far. They nearly did this week in that promo with Taz, but they got away with it just. But we'll see. Uh, Genuinely. I, I think they're all right at the moment, but they've got to be very careful where they go, how they go. Now, speaking of that promo, I love the end of it. It was great. Especially if you're a long-time ECW fan, you kind of got to chuckle because yeah. Punk just threw it right back at Taz. Yeah, I mean, he, he nicked, he nicked um, smiling at him, he nicked Taz's catchphrase, which was quite clever. And it made up, it helped make up for the fact that, you know, Taz, I think Taz got his verbiage wrong at the start, but they got they, they did get away with it, just. Okay, David, I'm moving over to our... Fifth stunning question of the week, and I might make you laugh here. Some are calling the Young Bucks versus the Lucha Brothers the greatest cage match ever. I can see why, actually. I'm going to put my sensible head on here. I can see why. It wasn't for me. It really wasn't. But I was dreading it going into All Out. I really wasn't looking forward to it. And it was better than I anticipated. I think the result was right, which helped it. Yeah, you got your crazy, flippy, loopy spots, but I'm going to come on to that with about crazy about making spots work later on in the show. Um, no, it wasn't the greatest cage match of all time, not by a long chalk, but it wasn't. It was all right. It, I, I enjoyed it, which I didn't expect to do. It was one of the matches on All Out that I didn't expect to enjoy. I thought it'd be formulaic. 
and it was to a degree, but it was actually entertainingly so. And because they got the result right, it made all the difference. David, if you told me this might have been inside the top 30 cage matches of all time, I'll give you that. It's an excellent match by itself in a vacuum. Perfectly good match, you know. And they only did one crazy spot off the top of the cage. Everything else was sweet. It was good ending. Lucifer Brothers won. Good storytelling. But no, not the greatest cage match of all time. No, 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 no. No, no, no. I mean, I, I would have been kinder. I would have even put it in the top 20. But it wouldn't have made the top 10 even. But, you know, hey, obviously they work how they want to. And, you know, Meltzer loves it. And people listen to Dave still. Um, You know, they don't pinch of salt stuff with him. But, no, I mean, the, the relief for me involving it is that I was entertained by it. And I enjoyed it. And I didn't expect to. You know, I was thinking about you while I was watching this match and going like, this might be the match where David might turn this pay-per-view. Then when we talked about it off podcast here, I was surprised you enjoyed the whole card. I was going like, wait a minute, this, is this David the Smart Mart? Yeah, no, I enjoyed the whole card. I thought the crowd, things like, things like the crowd made it, um, you know, it, the, the, there was a lot going for it. Even, you know, they got the Ruby Soho, um, which obviously... Uh, you know, I don't want to keep going on about the fact that I called that weeks ago. They got the Ruby Soho entrance right. I think they got the match placement right as well. Um, opening with uh, Miro and Eddie Kingston because that got the crowd going with a with a bit of a slobber knocker, and it wasn't. They didn't start with flips, and and the 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 women's battle royal was only a minor cluster than a major cluster, and it had Ruby Soho at the end, which I thoroughly enjoyed. And I've enjoyed since she's been, you know, since they've used her on AW. But to answer another thing with your CM Punk point, that's another danger. Overdose of Ruby Ruby Soho, because she's been on every show since and, and majorly pushed. They've got to be careful with that as well. They don't peak too early with that. Very true, David. I'm going to close the stunning six questions with a sixth and final stunning question. So what is the point to Dan Lebert on AEW TV? Can you explain this one to me, please? Oh, good question. I think it's just they lack heels that are actually getting booed by the crowd. Now, I'll return you to another talking point regarding Malachi Black. He's a heel, but is he he's, he's being cheered constantly. He was cheered in that excellent match with Dustin, wasn't he? Yes, he was. They were just waiting for they were just waiting for Malachi to perform the heel kick and knock him out. They knew it was coming. Now, obviously, I hope they don't get it wrong when they bring Cody back. I know you're a major Cody fan, and I'm not taking the mick here, and I'm really not making the mick. But it would be suicidal of their booking to bring Cody back and have him beat Malachi Black. Absolutely suicidal booking. And I don't know how you feel about that, but that. I, I think because they've done Malachi Black really well. Yeah, they probably with the Lee Johnson or was it the Lee Johnson or whoever it was the the match before Dustin. They gave the the guy too much too much offense, and it's, Malachi should have beaten him a bit quicker. But I just hope that they don't have him lay down for Cody. I really don't. David, I want to take a week to think about Cody and Malachi Black. But going back to Dan Lambert. I like Ethan Page, and I like Scorpio Sky. They don't need Dan yep. Lambert. Now, granted, Dan Lambert, you get two heels that can't talk. You put Dan Lambert as their mouthpiece. I'm so... Yeah. Yes, yes, sign me up, please, yes. 
But right now, the pairing with yeah, you know, Scorpio I, Sky and stuff, no. Um, with this one, the only thing I'd say, I've got no issue with Dan Lambert, and it had that that point that you've made, which is valid, hadn't occurred to me. But what I would say is, I wish they'd get to the point, because all it is is him, him getting up and successfully slagging the company off, which is fine. But you know, in real life, they just not not let him in the building. You know what I mean? It, they just not let him in the building. It's like, you know, you'd have photographs on all these entrances saying, look, do not let this man in the building. So it loses a bit of realism there. Um, so I, I don't dislike Dan Lambert, I'll be honest. But I wish they'd get to the point. David, exactly. I'm with you. He's literally done the same promo each time we've seen him. And he's great at yeah. promos. I mean, he could teach a class in promos. But I want to see something else. Yeah, to quote to quote the punk punk rock uh, quote, "Don't bore us, get to the chorus." What an excellent point to end the setting six questions on. So, ladies and gentlemen, we have a special treat for you since this is premiere week for Radio Free for First Wrestling Season Two. This past Thursday, I had the privilege and the honor to talk to a second generation talent who you may know. Her name is Bianca Carelli. She actually main event NWA Empire in that Women's Annotational Cup. And listen to this interview, and we'll come back and we'll explain some stuff, because she may have to make a trip to Florida, David, and you might know why. Radio Free Pro Wrestling proudly presents Center Stage. Help David and Sean welcome this week's guest to the show. Ladies and gentlemen, Premier Week is continuing, and we have one very special surprise for you. Right now, I'm on the phone with the newest Canadian import to the United States. She is none other than the Canadian national treasure, Bianca Corelli. Bianca, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing great. Thank you so much. That was such a lovely introduction, the Canadian national treasure. I love that. So, Bianca, can you tell us what's the benefit of moving down to the United States and how was the Canadian wrestling scene before the pandemic? So before the pandemic, um, the Canadian wrestling scene, I'd say, was pretty good. And um, about in 20, I guess it would have been 2020. Yeah, I had had so many bookings all lined up. and I was so excited. You know, I was really going to take on the Ontario Indies. And then, of course, you know, COVID hits. And everything really stopped for about a year, maybe maybe even a year and a half, which was really, really hard. Um, and definitely one of the reasons why I decided I need to move. Um, Canada, even now with the, the vaccine and the regulations is, is really bad. But I know the States wrestling is huge. There's always so much going on. And so I decided to, after finishing my degree, uh, pack up and leave to Orlando. And I've done that. And, you know, I'm just starting to get my feet wet on the indies here, but I'm, I'm loving it. It's, it was a great decision. It was a great move. Bianca, you were a part of the first ever NWA in power. Can you tell us how it was being a part of that show? Because I did watch it and there was a lot of feel good moments, especially at the end where everybody's like had that group hug. It was all the emotions. Yeah, that was a big honor for me. And I felt like it was, you know, a big, probably one of the biggest moments. Yeah, it is. It's in my wrestling career, you know, that kind of marked the beginning of my 
journey to the United States. I got to participate in my first main event, my first pay-per-view, my first match in America, all in one. So it was such an amazing experience. I met so many amazing women, um, legends, you know, absolute legends, and then up and comers. And, you know, it was really, the energy was so amazing. Like everyone was so supportive of each other. Um, even like the male wrestlers from NWA were so supportive too of the all women show. And it was just such a good, positive environment. And um, historic, the people of St. Louis, you know, that, Chase Park Plaza show is so historic to them and so important to them that just that also contributed to this amazing energy that I was literally so honored and blessed to be a part of. When did you find out the cup was going to be the main event? Okay. So, you know, it's funny that you asked that because I was, I thought that I had been scheduled for the tag tournament. And so uh, I had, an interviewer, her name's Ella. She's a wrestling gal. I had her contact me to do an interview. And she goes, I'm, you know, I'm interviewing everybody that's in the tournament main event. And I said, Oh, well, then you've got the wrong girl. I said, because I'm in the I'm in the tag tournament. And she goes, No, I'm pretty sure you're in the main event. And I said, No, you 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 got it all wrong. And then so I went back to my email from Mickey James and I read it and I said, Oh damn, I am in the main event. <laughs> oh my God. And it was so exciting. I didn't realize, uh, probably for a month, you know, I, I didn't realize. Um, but when I did, I I was just so excited. It was it was so cool to be part of that. Do you believe that we're entering a new golden era of women's professional wrestling? Absolutely. Absolutely. It is so different now than it ever has been. And, you know, it is people like uh, Mickey James and Jazzy and Medusa and Gail Kim and, you know, all the other women that have always ever wrestled from the beginning. Every single woman who's been a part of this industry has really helped pave the way. And, and we see so much like has evolved in women's wrestling now. And, you know, as the title of the event was Empower, it's really become empowering. And um, I think people are looking at women's wrestling a lot different now and realizing, wow, like, you know, these women can tell amazing stories. They're very athletic. They can do some cool stuff. And, you know, the fact that there's so much like positive attention towards it now is really great. And, you know, I don't know if, if things didn't develop this way. I don't know if like my father would really you know, have encouraged my, my wrestling dream, but the way that things have changed and it is in this new light, you know, that's what gets my parents really giving me their support um, because there's so much potential and there's so much strength and such positivity around it. And I think that's a really nice thing now. Exactly. Cause I was watching that show and I saw Medusa come out and she gave the tag titles to the winners. And I'm going like, if she was like a generation ahead of her time, if she was in her prime, today she'd be one of the top female wrestlers in the world oh yeah absolutely she is she is cool she is strong she is tough you know she carries such a presence it was so nice to even just get to meet her and be around her because you know she's a big inspiration speaking of your father you did train with him for a bit so i have a question how hard was it for you guys to switch from father daughter to <laughs> teacher student row i mean it definitely had its difficult moments. It also had very rewarding moments. Uh, you know, I don't call him coach in class. I just call him dad. So like that probably was funny for some of the kids in the class or the students. But you know, he's my dad. I definitely felt 
like there was maybe a little more pressure on me to do well and try hard, you know, because I was um, the coach's daughter. So I always did and always still do give my best and try my best. Naturally, when you get feedback from your parent, you know, you might take it a little more to heart. So that's something I had to work on because obviously I want the praise from my father and I want to be told I'm doing a good job, but you're not always going to be told that you're doing something great. You know, sometimes you need the hard truth, you know, if that could be better, it's more advantageous to me if he says that looks like crap than if he says, oh, good job, you know? So especially in this industry, like every type of criticism or any type of feedback, you have to make sure you don't take it uh, personally because anything that someone tells you is just going to make you better or open your mind. And so, you know, obviously it took some getting used to, but, you know, I already miss having him as my coach. I, I loved those moments learning from my dad. Those will always be very, very special times. That's cool. See, I actually worked 11 years with my mom in the restaurant industry. She was a manager. So for my 16th birthday, she got me an application and like, I need some help. So I went through all the way through college working with my mom. So I always had that, oh, you're the manager's son kind of title. So I kind of understand. <laughs> Yeah, that's probably really similar. What is a misconception people have about you, Bianca? A misconception? You know, that's tricky because I'm not so sure what people do think of me. I would have to say I feel like oftentimes because I'm very, you know, bubbly, loud, happy person. I think sometimes maybe people don't expect that I'm actually as serious uh, as I am. Um, I'm very, very focused, very determined. I know what, what I will accept and what I, what I won't accept in my life in terms of like relationships or, or compromising and or just my day to day. Like I as much as I like to joke around and have fun, I don't let things stand in my way. And I feel like I'm actually a very firm person, which some people might not know at first when they see me laughing and giggling and joking around all the time. But you know, that's just where my mentality is. It's just, it's good to have fun and enjoy life, but you have to stay focused and life's not a joke. So it's, you know, it's about finding that balance between playfulness and seriousness. And I think sometimes people might not think I'm serious because of how playful I am. So have you had a moment where you've been in a ring or just anywhere where you went, oh, wait a minute, I just did it like my father did it? I don't know. Like, it's hard to say because I feel like I do have a lot of similarities to my dad, but I don't think that I would necessarily notice just because like, that's just how I am. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so I couldn't think of that. Like, I feel like there's been times where people have been like, oh my God, you are like your father's daughter. Oh my God, you just did that the way your dad did. And I'm like, really? So I don't really notice it myself. I think that's just because like any similarity, it's just like a natural similarity. It's not like intentional. I understand. Because like when I was working with my mom, I didn't realize I would pick up things that she would do. I already had an employee say to me one time, you sound just like your mom. And I was like, well, wait a minute. Oh my God. Yeah. So later, on, <laughs> so later on and moved to a different job. And I just started realizing as I was managing, I do work just like my mom in a way. And it's kind of cool. Yeah. See, it's like, like you said, it's like you didn't even really notice until somebody pointed it out. But I guess it makes sense, right? Like it's genetics and, and upbringing and all that. If you spend enough time around your parents, you, you won't have to pick up something. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I want to know that if she gets the choice... In this day and age, and she gets ex similar contracts, who would she join at this moment in time? AEW 
or WWE, given the chance? Such a hard question for me to answer because, like, obviously, you know, WWE is WWE. It's long time. It's established. You know, AEW is a new company. And, like, I've heard there's a lot more creative freedom. And, um, you know, just from what I've heard, like, both companies have their advantages and their disadvantages. So, I mean, like, that's, like, everything in life. There's going to be a positive and there's going to be a negative. So you just kind of have to figure out what works with you. So, like, for me, I feel like I couldn't really answer that question until I've been in both environments and found what environment was more suited to my personality. So it's like, that's like saying, what do you like better, like Smarties or M&Ms, but you've never had either. So you don't really know. You're just guessing, you know? So, I mean, if, if it was the exact same contract, like I would work for either company. Like, I'll be completely honest. Both companies I would work for in a heartbeat because... Like, I want to wrestle. They're both wrestling companies. Like, that would be an opportunity, either one, that I would never turn down. So, like, I don't really want to say one over the other um, just because, like, I just want to wrestle, plain and simple. I want to entertain. That's what I love to do. So, like, like I said, I feel like I would have to see which one I vibed with the most, as much as that much might sound like a hippie answer. But you know what I mean? Like, you might think, oh, I really want to work for WWE or, oh, I really want to work for AEW. But then you get there and maybe, like, the environment isn't exactly what what works for you or what you'd hoped for so i'd have to see exactly i understand completely and i mean both rosters on the female division they're amazing so it's like a win-win it's like you could do both absolutely like there's like i watched like the AEW pay-per-view like that just passed and yeah like when they had the um women's uh battle royal like you can just see all the amazing talent we've obviously seen battle royals as well with like wwe and again so many amazing females so it's like no matter where you go like there's amazing people to work with and any opportunity i would just be so thankful for i'd jump right on that (laughs) okay i listen in different interviews i know you want to main event wrestlemania one day so i will give you the power to main event wrestlemania who's your opponent who's my opponent so i feel like i change this answer all the time because like there's always so many interesting women to work with. And I feel like there's so many different like opponents that would just be so cool to take stage with. I would love to work with hmm, for WrestleMania. Honestly, I'm always drawn to say Asuka. I, I'm always drawn to say Asuka. I just love how she works. I think she is so awesome. <laughs> awesome. And everything she does looks so vicious. And I, I just love her wrestling style. And I feel like, you know, I could have such a good match with her. And like I've mentioned this before in some interviews, like one of her trainers was actually also a trainer of mine. So I know that we have some like uh, a similar learning, some similar training. So I kind of feel like maybe that would mesh well. I think it would be a, a, an interesting match as I'm thinking about it. I was I was going to say, hey, you should pick Beth Phoenix because I think that would be a great match too. Ooh, yeah. Like Dory Lyon. <laughs> you dated my dad. <laughs> That would be funny. Well, I think you guys would match up fiscally, too. I'm just like, thinking, if she had one last match, why not have it with you? Then that would be the perfect ending to the story. Wow, yeah. I like that idea. I never thought about that. That would be an awesome match. I think maybe your answer was possibly better than mine. And that would have, like, a huge, like, there would be meaning to it. It wouldn't just be like, oh, I really like this wrestler. Like, I should wrestle them. It'd be like, wow, like, there's a whole other layer here, like a full circle layer. I see where you're going with that. That's that's smart. <laughs> yeah, it's just a bit of a deep dive. But 
for the people who know, they would know. Yeah, no, I like that idea. If someone asks me that question in the future, I might be using your answer. <laughs> you have my permission. You can take my answer. <laughs> okay, thank you. <laughs> we'll we'll do. We are coming a day after the 20th anniversary of 9/11. Bianca, do you remember 9/11? Yes, I absolutely do. And I must have been about five years old, and I remember sitting in class. And then the announcements came on and must have been the principal announced to the whole entire school what had happened um, in the United States. And it was just like silent. And it's so crazy because that moment was years and years and years and years and years ago, but it will always be forever etched in your mind. Like there's always those moments in your life that you never can get out of your memory. And that that was definitely one of them. Exactly. I still remember being in my state's government and politics class and having the teacher come in and actually tell us. And I was also have a friend at the time who father was the, the senator from Tennessee. And I remember talking to her and her just needing to figure out a way to find that she can get a hold of her dad that day. So it's this, oh my God. this flash in your mind on that day. And I can't believe we're 20 years past it. Yeah, 20 years. That's pretty crazy. Wow. Time flies by. It really does. But that's so sad because then when you think of all those lives, you know, that were lost, it's such a shame because there's 20 years of life so many people could have had. And it's just such a shame the things that people do to each other sometimes on this planet. Exactly. It's this stuff we'll never understand why. It, I don't think there is a why to it. How did you get involved with the Purple Warrior? So, um... I, they actually contacted me on Instagram and um, they asked, you know, if I'd be interested in helping with their initiative to support like epilepsy awareness. And a really good friend of mine um, from wrestling class has epilepsy. And, you know, I feel like people might not be so aware of what the condition is and, you know, how it affects people. And, you know, it's actually pretty high. Like the stats that I was shared said that one in a hundred people actually have epilepsy. And I found that to be a really high number. I was actually quite surprised because one in a hundred, that, that's a lot. <laughs> and, you know, especially with our society today, like on our phones, like there's always these, you know, these bright lights or, you know, in like in public, you might not be thinking about what, how someone might respond to certain brightness or certain noises. Or I think also like some epileptic seizures can just happen for no reason. There doesn't even need to be any stimulation. So, I mean, I just feel like the more informed people are in general about any cause, the better, because then in case of an emergency, you know, we might be able to protect our loved ones, save a life. Like when it comes to my friend who has epilepsy, you know, if I could spread awareness and God forbid something ever happened to my friend, you know, maybe he'd be safer in a dangerous situation because somebody saw a post about it and they know how to help or they know how to identify the condition and they can call an ambulance or, you know, help keep him secured until the seizure subsides or things like that. Right. I feel like with anything in this world, like, knowledge is half the battle. Exactly, Bianca. I agree with you. Me working in the retail industry that I do, occasionally we do have episodes where people suffer episodes in our store. And knowing what to do in that moment helps out a lot. Absolutely. Because then you can be prepared and you can be saving a life. 
Uh, Bianca, you just had your first victory in CCW Coastal Championship Wrestling. How was your first experience? That was awesome. I had so much fun. The crowd was amazing. They booed me like anything. I loved it. <laughs> I loved every moment of it. They were so much fun to perform in front of my opponent. That was her, I believe, her second or third match. And for her second or third match, she did an amazing job. She was great to work with. So I was very, very happy. And it's just so nice now to have opportunities to wrestle in this country. You know, that's why I moved here. And, you know, I actually have to Thank you for getting me in touch uh, with CCW that honestly, you have no idea how much that means to me that you were so kind and, and helpful and helping to set that up because, you know, that's what I moved here for. And you really helped me actually get my feet in the Floridian wrestling waters. So thank you so much for that because I had a wonderful time. Uh, Bianca, when I saw Nelio post like the promo picture of you in your first match, he didn't tell me that he talked to you. And I just saw it organically and went, oh, they talk. And I was like, yay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for that. Yeah, he was great. Nelio is so nice. And um, I'm going to be working with them again on Sunday. So that is exciting. And then I'll have my second Floridian match. <laughs> okay, one final question before we let it go. Is there one weird thing about us Americans that you had discovered yet? Um, You guys like this. <laughs> speed you guys drive really really fast like compared to canadian speed limits i swear like i really only know kilometers but i think you guys must be going about 160 kilometers sometimes on the highway which i'm not sure what that is in miles but boy oh boy like you guys drive really really fast yeah i think the general conception is if you see the speed limit you can guarantee people are probably going 10 to 15 miles over that. And you're just like sitting there going like, why in the world are they going so fast? I understand completely. Yeah, I, I was very shocked. But it's been neat. I've been really enjoying kind of discovering America and the differences. Like you guys still have pennies. We don't have pennies in Canada. The gas actually flows faster out of the gas pump here <laughs> into the cars. It goes much faster. So I spend... Less money and less time filling my car with gas, which is great. Saving money, saving time. <laughs> so you did mention that you have a match coming up today in Palm Beach, Florida. Bell time is 6 p.m. And you can get tickets at ccwwrestlingfl.com. So if you're in Palm Beach, come out, see Bianca Corelli, get her second victory. That's right. <laughs> Bianca, thank you for coming on Radio Free Professional Wrestling. I have enjoyed this time we spent together. Thank you so much for having me. And again, thank you for, you know, everything, uh, helping me start off my American wrestling career. I really appreciate that. And it's time we had to talk. So thank you. Bianca, thank you very much for those kind words. Now, David, I don't know if I filled you in on the whole story about this interview. So about four weeks ago, I messaged Bianca, hey, can we get you on Radio Free Professional Wrestling in September? She said, yes, I'm, I want to do the show. I'm moving to Florida. So I'm like, okay, cool. I'll just message you first week of September. So in the meantime, between times, the wheels in my head were turning. She wants to wrestle independent shows. 
She's moving to Florida, David. We know somebody. So I kind of messaged Nelio Nelio and go, hey, I have Bianca coming onto the show. Can I mention Coastal Championship Wrestling? And he's like, sure. So, yes, all you Coastal Championship Wrestling fans, I played a very small part in getting Bianca to Coastal Championship Wrestling. Yeah, so she already had one match in Coastal Championship Wrestling, and she won. Now, some people may say she cheated, but my monitor went out, so I don't see it. And if you don't see it, you can't call it. The record book says Bianca Corelli won, no losses. And today, she's wrestling in Palm Beach, Florida for Coastal Championship Wrestling. Bell time is 6 p.m. Go over to CoastalChampionshipWrestlingFL.com. Get your tickets. Sell that billing out for our new friend of the show, the Canadian National Treasure, because I gave her a nickname, too, on this interview. So, yes, I enjoyed this so much. It was fun. Yeah, you're nailing it, mate. You are um, an English reference here. You are the Michael Parkinson of uh, Radio Free Pro Wrestling. All the best guests. Sean, stunning Sean, snarling it all. Thank you, Bianca, for coming on. We really, really appreciate it. And if I take a second to talk to the Corelli family for a second, I want to say their daughter is amazing, well-spoken, treating me like a million bucks, and I appreciate it. And I wish her all the best, and I know she's going to do amazing things in her wrestling career. Yeah, 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 yeah. We support, you know. We, we should be following her career with interest. And when she's headlining, when, she, when her and Kaylee Ray are headlining the AEW Women's World Championship, we'll, we'll get her back on. Um, David, we're not going to wait that long because I got another announcement for you, buddy. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, coming in 2022, probably early 2022, Bianca Corelli is coming back to RPW Retrospective for a show. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, it's Sean again. Right after this point here, we had some issues with the recording, so I'm going to do a new ending to the show. David and myself had decided to review the SmackDown after 9-11 coming up this Thursday on RFPW Retrospective, so please check that out. So on behalf of David the Smart Mark, I'm going to wish you a stunning start to your week, and let us never forget this day. Be well, take care, good night everybody. This is Sergeant Arms of Christina on behalf of the guys. Thanks for listening to today's show. Please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star rating and a review. Until next time, the liberation continues.